That I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So they uh, did something I thought was a little bit unexpected yesterday regarding the uh, affidavit. Yeah. So a lot of uh, legal experts were opining that... Uh, it would just be, de- you know, denied, you know, that there would be no de- uh, re- reveal related to the affidavit. But in this case, the Trump-hating judge, the uh, Obama donor judge. Uh, the man named Judge Bruce Reinhardt. Br- Bruce Reinhardt, yeah. Right. So he, Bruce Reinhardt, uh, also recused himself from a RICO case uh, related to uh, Crossfire Hurricane, I believe. But he recused himself, and then the next day, uh, or he recused himself in June, and then the next day after, uh, uh, the uh, well, uh, the, the, um, President Trump uh, filed an order to not dismiss the case. That's how, that's how it was. Um he then signed off on a raid, and I guess that raid, that that uh, raid by the FBI came right before the deadline of the FBI saying we're not going to do any raids against political people during a political yeah, season. Yeah, interesting timing that way. Yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of things that are just sort of coincidental, but it came as a bit of a surprise that Bruce Reinhardt then. Um, decided, well, not only are we going to suggest that some of this affidavit uh, should be seen to the public, but I'm going to also not send it really back to the government, but I'm going to ask for the government's guidance. Now, the attorney associated with uh, Trump is expecting the and 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 some other articles uh, in, in the paragraphs to be 
revealed, but that's about it. Nothing of Ex- any meaning. Exactly. And, you know, so what, what the actual judge said was, I, fi- I find that on the present record, the government has not met its burden of showing that the entire affidavit should remain sealed. It is ordered that by noon EST on Thursday, August 25th, 2022, the government shall file under seal its proposed redactions along with the legal memorandum setting forth the justification for the proposed redactions. That? This is what Reinhardt said. Yeah. And then, and then he also said that it is further ordered that ECF number fifty-seven shall be unsealed by the court, the clerk of the court, done and ordered in the chambers at West Palm Beach, Florida. And he said this this eighteenth day of August, twenty twenty-two. So, basi- so basically, it's going to be interesting to see um, what is left standing in the paragraphs. If there's anything of note, or if this is just uh, some type of jockeying activity, and we and we see nothing new. Well, there's a there's a few uh, interesting bits and pieces of this, and uh, one of the things is um, that the FBI could be in some big big trouble. Paul Sperry said Paul Sperry uh, wrote this. He writes for Real Clear Clear Politics, and he he was big on the Crossfire Hurricane story, um, and a lot of people were talking about Peter Strzok and McCabe and. Uh, a lot of the FBI that was involved in the Russian hoax. And Donald Trump declassified the Crossfire Hurricane just before he left Washington, D.C. on January 19th, 2021. He declassified the Crossfire Hurricane stuff. So now, they, uh, as I was saying all week, uh, I think that this is a ploy to confiscate that data and make it part of a new investigation so that they never reveal uh, the, the truth underlying Crossfire Hurricane. Part of that truth is involves the explanation as to what happened to Peter Strzok and why is it that like Peter Strzok and his father were working with the Mujahideen. They mm-hmm. lived in Saudi Arabia they were connected with the Cartwrights, um, General Cartwright or something like that, and they were connected with the Clintons and you know uber left wingers, and so there's a long storied uh, history of Peter Strzok, and the only explanation for his encounters and his actions and his multilingual abilities and. His, ex- his life experiences where he's been is that he was part of the CIA. And not only part of the CIA, but somehow posing as an FBI agent. And the whole firing of the FBI, the, the, the uh, suspension and the firing of Peter Strzok related to the, the uh, FBI mm-hmm. would, be, would have been a farce. Yeah. And and I don't see how you redact that stuff. But I think that the FBI is going to suggest that Peter Strzok's life will be in jeopardy. But that's not how they're positioning it with Bruce Reinhardt. With Bruce Reinhardt, they're saying that this could impede the investigation against Trump. But they're not saying this could put lives, uh, people's lives at risk. They're not saying that. So I don't know that they can make that argument 
that they're trying to protect the names and identities uh, and the whereabouts and the associations of someone like Peter Strzok, who was more than just a rogue FBI agent, but also working in espionage and with the CIA. And Paul Sperry writes, if FBI omitted documents or references to previous Mar-a-Lago visits from affidavit, FBI committed fraud on the court. And this could be a big, big problem. And hopefully Bruce Reinhardt will see this. But he's a he's a crooked judge. You know, he's a judge that hates Trump. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is in Florida, Florida's a more conservative state. They, they've basically taken the Washington, D.C., 94% liberal apparatus and moved it down to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. A federal judge on Thursday ordered the Justice Department to unseal only a portion of the probable cause affidavit to raid President Trump's home. The judge is allowing the Justice Department to decide what should be redacted, probably be all of it. And a redacted version of an affidavit was ordered to be turned over by next Thursday. The DOJ now has a week to decide how much of this document to be released. So Marsha Blackburn writes, the judge that allowed the FBI to raid President Trump's private residence donated thousands of dollars to Obama. This is the constant theme. Democrats and the left abuse of abuse our justice system to silence conservatives and advance their political agenda. So the DOJ already harassed and subpoenaed for Mar-a-Lago records in June. The Trump team voluntarily handed over the documents. The FBI also holds a June inventory. I wish they would do this with the laptop. Yeah. uh, Hunter's laptop. Yeah. So we have a couple of clips on this. uh, The latest news from Fox and uh, Friends. And here's the first clip we're going to play. And uh, let's take a listen. Even you're right. We may, and I emphasize, may be a step closer to learning what the justification was behind the FBI's unprecedented raid on a former president, Judge Bruce Reinhardt, giving the DOJ one week until Thursday, high noon, to offer a redacted version of the affidavit, writing this in his order, saying the government has not met its burden of showing that the entire affidavit should remain sealed. Now, it's a setback for the Justice Department, who has opposed the document's release, claiming it would compromise their criminal investigation into Trump. DOJ counter-intel chief Jay Bratt blasted the judge's order, telling the Washington Post there's, quote, real concern, not just for the safety of these witnesses, but to chill other witnesses who may come forward and cooperate. Bratt also insisting there would be nothing of substance if the affidavit is released. Meanwhile, Trump continues to call for transparency. Now, his spokesman saying, quote, no redaction should be necessary. And the whole affidavit should be released, given the Democrats' pension for using redactions to hide government corruption, just like they did with the Russia hoax. And even with redactions, Trump's attorney has low expectations of what we might see. I would expect it will get a lot of black ink all over that piece of paper. If I was the DOJ, a Biden DOJ, I'd probably be redacting everything other than the word and and the. 
And then there's this. After the judge rules on what can be released, both the DOJ or the media lawyers in this case would have a chance to appeal the decision, and that means it could drag well beyond next week. Brian Isley, Steve? So they'll all be back in court next Thursday. All right, Griff, thank you very much. Thanks, Griff. All right, well, that is the, that's it. Now, we have Jonathan Turley. Uh, I have a lot of, you know, appreciation for his I legal, respect him a lot. He, yeah. he he has a very balanced way of talking about things. Right. He's He doesn't, we don't always see eye to eye politically, but he... he but he, he but he focuses on the facts and he focuses on the law. Legal that, mind, that's yeah. what's important about him. Yeah. So let's take a listen to this. Judge who approved the FBI raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, now giving the Justice Department just one week to prepare a redacted version of the affidavit. But Trump's attorney is demanding even more transparency. I would expect it will get a lot of black oh, we just heard ink this, all over that piece of paper. If I was the DOJ, a Biden DOJ, I'd probably be redacting everything other than the word and and the. Here to react, Fox News contributor, constitutional law expert, Jonathan Turley. Uh, Jonathan, she right. They're going to get back a huge a, a bunch of sheets with a lot of redactions. Well, the Justice Department just said that they didn't believe that they could release anything without undermining the investigation. I think that's rather obviously overbroad. There's plenty of parts of an affidavit you can generally release, including parts that are already known to the Trump team. So you're not going to be really revealing anything that they don't know. But what we're interested in is how that information was presented. Was it presented faithfully and truthfully, given the past record of the FBI and the Department of Justice? in Trump investigations. But the anticipation is that they're going to be very aggressive. Uh, they have a reputation for that. Um, they have routinely been accused of redacting too much out of material. I've been in cases uh, where I've challenged that. Uh, they use this strategically. And part of the problem is, is if they go and redact too much, they can delay release. They can go on appeal uh, and fight right. this a little longer without releasing the information. So here's the thing. Uh, the Trump team says, yeah, I want it all released. They're even talking about releasing their video footage that they have, surveillance footage, that they have of the raid itself as it took place. You're talking about nine hours of footage. If you're on the, if you're on okay. the Trump legal team, do you do that? Well, it's a, that is a very aggressive position from the Trump team. It's not going to please the court. Uh, the Department of Justice has already said that they would like uh, them to not do that because of the threats against agents. I would probably caution them not to do it, uh, but it is their right. Uh, there's no legal reason they cannot release that, uh, that video. Jonathan, you wrote a column in the USA Today and you talked about the incredible shrinking Merrick Garland. In what respect? Well, you know, time and time again, uh, Attorney General Garland has said that it, it, he's worried about the questions of the integrity of his department and the FBI and has really chastised people who are, who are making these criticisms and in some cases threats. And yet he's done very little to address those concerns, to reassure legitimate 
uh, to, to assure um, Americans that have legitimate concerns over bias, over the record of the FBI. You know, he refused to allow a special master to be appointed to s sort through the material that was acquired under this very broad affidavit this, and, and, and search to remove material that was not covered, to assure this wasn't a pretextual raid. He could have supported the release of part of the affidavit. Uh, as the court said, there's likely parts here that can be released. Time and time again, Garland could have stepped forward to say, look, we don't have to do this, but we're going to do it because we need to, for you to understand that we had a legitimate purpose here. And part of the problem here, I think, is in some ways his judicial temperament, his personality. He tends to be rote and redactive, he, uh, reactive. He doesn't tend to be proactive. And this is a case where we really need leadership, and we really need him to do something a little bit different to deal with a unique situation. He was slow to do it, deliberated for weeks, then told us it was an emergency. He had no choice. And then he, we find out he gets the warrant. He waited a few more days. The FBI is not going to, it looks like Christopher is not going to pull a James Comey and get ahead of the attorney general. So we'll wait a week and see what happens in the meantime. You know, the thing is, though, Jonathan Turley is acting like A.G. Merrick Garland doesn't have an agenda. Well, and, well, he, so he knows he, like, has an, he has an agenda because no. he commented about it. No, but just there he's talking about it like, oh, he's, uh, you know, sort of textual, textbook oriented. No, there's nothing about A.G. Merrick Garland that's not crooked. Um, it's sort of like Mayorkas. To, to treat Mayorkas sort of like, well, he's doing the best he can, but he just does, has the wrong plan. Um, he, he has too much faith in smart power versus a wall. It sort of sounds um, like you're making excuses with people with very high up level positions, don't you think? Yeah, well, no, I just think that the Biden administration knows exactly what they're doing with respect to America last policy. Yeah, they went from we went from America first to America last. And I, I think that these people aren't as dumb as we give them credit to be. No, of they're, course they're, they're not. They're, but they are more evil than I think we could even imagine them to be. Well, yeah, great. And and with Mer and with Merrick Garland, I mean, I think you know the idea that he could have potentially a few years ago been a Supreme Court justice is very very scary. It's you know the one thing you can say is. Kudos to Mitch McConnell for pu pushing back on that six years ago because him already in the seat of attorney general has been pretty bad. So the idea that he could have had 30 years on the bench is is a horrible thing to even fathom. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing. You know, I was listening to Tucker Carlson last night and um, and I, I couldn't get over the fact that uh, that the Democrats seem to be trending more favorably than the Republicans in the, in the in, generic poll. In the generic polls for the midterm elections. And By you know four what, points. And, you know and they're all fundraising. And not only that, small, small, small dollar donors are outpacing Republicans well, and, on and, the Democrats. And the side. one thing that the Democrats often have done a better job of than the Republicans have, and you and I have talked about this for years, is the Democrats are better at the retail politics. And so with the small donor um, donations, what the Republicans need to do is they need to get some more excitement around the candidates. I mean, you see Herschel Walker on television and you think, oh, wow, there's so much excitement about Herschel Walker. Yeah, he, you know, he's uh, because of his past career, et cetera. But then when you look at the reality of it, the other side is doing better. And it's shocking because there's nothing about the other candidate uh, 
Uh, yeah. How do you pronounce his last name? You know that that he why you, you know and he's had a very uh, checkered past. Warnock, Robert I can remember. Uh, Raphael Warnock, I, I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name. But you know he's been accused, I guess, of some type of spousal abuse. I mean, there's been all types of issues yeah. with him. Yet he's doing better. So let's take a listen to this uh, open here. Um, this is uh, Tucker Carlson talking about something that really quite surprised me. Now, the truth is, it's entirely possible Mitch McConnell doesn't want to retake the Senate. And this is the point. I think it's I think it's leadership. Could you imagine, wouldn't it be great if the leader of the Senate and the leader of the House, McCarthy and, and then Mitch McConnell, would go up on the media every single day and... And 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 talk about, you know, like what Newt Gingrich talked about, you know, a hundred day plan right. of restoring America to greatness. Um, and they did very well. They had one one in overwhelming fashion uh, because they had a message. And Mitch McConnell should be out there in the ether right now. He, but instead, he starts talking about we don't have the right candidates because he wants to get the candidates that like Mitch McConnell and will put Mitch McConnell into the leadership role rather than get America first patriots that Trump supports and fill the Senate with real conservatism. And um, he doesn't want that because he's not a true conservative. Uh, he is a rhino and a uh, and I think also there's a lot of money to be made being the being the uh minority party in both chambers um you could talk a big talk like paul ryan did about oh if we just had the white house if we just had the majority we would be able to do the things we want to do but then it's just that it's a talking point and it's an excuse say what you you know say what your constituents want to hear but never really uh carrying through on them or following through on them because you never uh end up getting power back and um, and frankly, I, I don't even understand that. I don't understand how it is with this economy and with the kind of uh, inhumane uh, civil rights violations and the kind of stuff that's going on with respect to the uh, the the horrible COVID. Uh, situation, the horrible foreign policy in Afghanistan where we intentionally gave the Taliban power and gave them billions of dollars in assets. You know, we did this intentionally. We're opening the border intentionally. We're doing these things intentionally. We, we know that spending more money and liquidating the cash is going to cause inflation. And we know that inflation is a theft from the middle class to the power elite. We know all that. And we know that this bill that just passed is doing nothing but kicking the can down the road past the midterm election. And voters seem to keep on falling for this crap. And it's just absolutely absurd. Because then you'd have to run things. And there's one thing Republican leaders dislike, it's running anything. Much easier to complain on Fox News. But if you actually wanted to win, what would you do? Well, here's an idea, just kind of out of nowhere, just spitballing here. How about you run on issues that voters care about? That might work, even for a mediocre candidate. So let's say, again, just for the sake of argument, that you ran a campaign on illegal immigration and crime. 
Now, these are two issues that didn't just arise out of nowhere. They're the product of policies the Democratic Party put in. They were intentional outcomes. We have millions of people coming in illegally, and we have a lot more murders than we had two years ago. These two issues, immigration and crime, don't simply annoy voters, though they very much do. These two issues threaten the existence of our society. So maybe you should run on them. That seems reasonable, but that's not what they're doing. Oh, no. Here, for example, is a recent campaign ad from Dr. Oz. He's the guy who's losing to the stroke victim in Pennsylvania. Watch. I thought I'd do some grocery shopping. I'm at Wegner's, and uh, my wife wants some vegetables for crudite, right? So here's a broccoli. That's two bucks. Not a ton of broccoli there. There's some asparagus. That's $4. Yep. Carrots. That's four more dollars. That's $10 of vegetables there. And then we need some guacamole. That's $4 more. And she loves salsa. Yeah, there's salsa there. $6? Must be a shortage of salsa. Guys, that's $20 for crudite. And this doesn't include the tequila. I mean, that's outrageous. And we got Joe Biden to thank for this. $20 for a credit day, whatever that is. It's obviously very easy to make fun of that, but it's not entirely a stupid ad. If, if inflation were the salient issue here, the generational issue of this campaign season, but it's not. Inflation's terrible. It's making people poorer. We actually could tank the US dollar. These are all big, big problems. But changing the population of the United States, allowing people to be murdered in the street, letting drug addicts live on the sidewalk and sending them crack pipes, that will change everything forever. These are offenses against the most basic rules of any civilization. And the most basic of all is you reward people for doing the right thing and you penalize them for doing the wrong thing. And, and why is it then that the Republicans are is something rigged? You know, I mean, Brian Stelter lost his job yesterday, right, at CNN. And you look at the numbers to his show, Reliable Sources, and compare it with the counterpart, Media Buzz, which is the worst show on Fox News. Yeah. And it was uh, Reliable Sources had 678,000 to uh, uh, Media Buzz, which was like 1.4 million. Yeah. That statistic alone suggests that Republicans are outpacing the Dem Democrats two to one. Yeah. Well, now, that being said, that's not taken into consideration, PBS and MSNBC and what that lion's share is. So I guess you can look at it like that and say, well, if MSNBC is a million and reliable sources is 678,000 and PBS is, you know, 500,000, now you're up to like two million viewers uh versus 1.4 for media buzz uh so that would then suggest that the democrats are still outpacing the republicans but if you but if you look at the networks cnn averaged 731,000 viewers in prime time in july fox news averaged 2.1 million and msnbc averaged 1.3 million so what's going so on what, give me let me repeat again. this again in july cnn averaged seven 
831,000 viewers in primetime. So that's going across yeah. whatever shows they have that, that occur in primetime. Fox News averaged 2.1 million and MSNBC averaged 1.3 million. Now, I would argue that... So that M- it's 2 to 2.2. Yeah. So I would argue that MSNBC is uh, even further to the left than CNBC, but I think what's happening at... C- I mean, sorry, than CNN. But I think what's happening at CNN is you have so many people that are out there just throwing out an agenda as opposed to doing any real news reporting. And then his actual show, Reliable Sources, only had on Sunday 693,000 viewers. So it was the 28th most watched cable show that day. And it was behind... It was certainly behind everything on Fox. So this has been going on for a while, That, but there's also been internal changes within um – CNN with the uh, you know the new the new leadership at the uh, which wants to go back to more straight news reporting and less of this uh, commentary, particularly biased commentary, because to the point that we're seeing is that half of the country is to the right. Not everybody is on the left, and you know, and I think the public is getting a little disgusted with just hearing people spout about things and not be able to back up what they're spouting about. Right. Well, let's take a listen to Stephen Miller uh, give his explanation. Stephen Miller is someone I, he's a Trump advisor that I really respect. Let's, let's take a so listen. For coming on. This seems like the simplest formula ever. Every normal person hates crime. You'd really have to be Kamala Harris to want more crime. Why aren't they running on this? They're not running on it for the reasons you identified. Joe Biden is the most unpopular president in American history. We should be looking at the largest midterm victory for Republicans, likewise, in American history. And instead, the forecasts are shrinking every single day. Why? Because Mitch McConnell isn't interested in running a national referendum that says elect Republicans. And in January, we seal the border. We reform law enforcement to go after criminals, not Republicans, and we end the war on America's children. No, what he wants to do is handpick candidates that he thinks will like Mitch and Mitch will like them. And if that means we have 48 seats or we have 49 seats, so be it. He gets to stay on as majority leader. We are witnessing in real time the greatest self-inflicted wound we have ever seen. If Republicans went out every day and said, we have had more illegal immigrants ever before this year than have been recorded in world history. We have increases in crime in our cities that no civilized nation has ever seen. And if you elect a Republican majority, we will go in in January and we will take the first funding bill and we will attach to it a requirement the border be shut and a requirement that the FBI stop attacking their opponents and start locking up and breaking apart organized crime in America. And you say that in every state and in every congressional district in this country, and you will win a landslide like you have never seen before. But nobody wants to step up and even make that promise. That's exactly right. And actually, there's precedent for it. The largest landslide in the history of the American presidency was 1972 by a candidate who did not win on charm, but won on law and order. And you can mock Richard Nixon all you want, but he was right. 49 states. That's exactly right. So, again, how dumb are the people who run the party? Well, a lot of people have been drinking the Frank Luntz Kool-Aid. I was a congressional Uh, staffer for almost a decade. I went to all of these presentations. So what they do is they sit you down and they say, well, we ran a message. And it says that controlling wasteful Washington spending polls at 95%. To which I would say, you know what else polls at 95%? I like cotton candy. Uh, I think airplanes are really neat and super cool. Uh, but I enjoy watching movies on Sunday. None of that gets anybody elected. 
What gets people elected is pushing messages where there's nowhere to hide. I'm for putting violent criminals behind bars. I'm for deporting exactly. legal aliens, and you're not, so I win and you lose. That's how you win elections. That's how and you do it. And frankly, you know, that's why Trump won. Yeah. Because he said things like that. He said, you know, Mexico is sending over, isn't sending us their best and brightest. And that's part of the reason why he won. Oh, he did it so perfectly. And, you know, because he said because he said what people are afraid to say. He said it in the most politically incorrect way imaginable. But those are the fears that, you know, that people have. And right now we've got an we've got an economy that is in free fall. And to the point you were just making a moment ago, uh, Scott, you know, why is it that when we have this economy that's in free fall, we have this uh, border that's in crisis. We've got crime in our cities, particularly our major cities, uh, you know, on a on a rise. Why aren't people just, you know, saying, all right, we got to get rid of Biden now. They're just saying we got to get rid of the this particular uh, president. They're not saying that this whole party needs to be overhauled and we need the other and we need to have the other side come in and straighten things out. And and some of that's on the Republicans. We've got to get out there and we got to be doing better messaging and rallying our, our supporters. Yeah, and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, we need more of that. We need more you know, of that. Someone who speaks in plain terms outspoken and sets the agenda and you know we need to get we need to get this right before the midterm elections you know uh i was shocked to see that warnock was outpacing um herschel walker herschel walker i couldn't believe that not only uh warnock generated or raised 12 million dollars probably outside money from somewhere right um and that was more than double what Herschel Walker right. raised. He's probably like in the five million range. Right. And so he's down. Herschel Walker, I mean, the Georgia Bulldog, best running back right. of all time, right. a Trump supporter, uh, black, you know, yeah. and so is Warnock. And in Georgia, um, for some reason, a red state, Biden barely uh, won that, even with all the rigging yeah, that was sure. going on with. Sure. Uh, you know, because Trump won that state. And and the thing is, is that um, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Stacey Abrams, you know, has rigged that system down there. I don't know how she's done it, but it's got to be rigged down there. And, you know, it, you can't tell me that Georgia is that much of an outlier from South Carolina and Florida and Alabama. It's neighboring states. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but but beyond that, uh, you take Dr. Oz, one of the richest men in, in the, that would be in the Senate. He's super rich, uh, and he's losing to it. Like they talked about it, you know. Featherman is John Featherman is a uh, stroke victim. Can barely string sentences together. St- is is running on a campaign where he wants to abolish the filibuster. Yeah. And uh, as a lieutenant governor, he has resulted in the highest crime statistics in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. And you got to look at this and say, how in the world does Dr. Oz lose this this guy? You know, it's interesting. You see, I see, I see a consistent pattern here. In this case, the two examples that you've just cited off it's where there's the election Repu- fraud. The Republican candidate in both instances had high name recognition. Herschel Walker yeah. and Mehmet Oz both have high name neck recognition because one was a sports figure and one was a TV personality. Yet 
they are they, they are trailing the two people that both have corruption in their backgrounds who are much lower name recognition and and as you pointed out Fetterman has some you know issues about his potential competent uh, competency given that he may have been compromised not 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 to you know make yeah. fun of that or anything but it does no, it is a factor yeah. so the thing is so what is going on here? What is going on in these situations? I almost there's think something it's fake polls. That, fake, there's it, it, something that doesn't ring right. It doesn't. It, it, I mean, I, as I'm thinking about it, there is a real parallel between those two examples. Yeah, but not only that, when you look at the statistics, I mean, go back a century. And if the economy is doing what it's doing, which the economy, the housing market's going to be in free fall in, in, in a matter of months. And you know, already, um, this is something to pay attention to as well. Um, we're going to listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene here in a second, but the Chinese real estate market is collapsing, throws economy into crisis. When China falls, so will you know, so will uh, the world's economy. China is a country that is very fragile when it comes to its economy. And already they were looking at Target as uh, 90% sales down. You know, they, they, they dropped from nine, year over year. They've lost a tremendous amount of business, uh, Target has. So Target, you know, buys their products from China. And I think that overall people are just buying less stuff because people are spending all their money at the gas pump and with energy. Because of this green climate initiative that we all know is fake. It's a scam. The green thing is a scam by the globalists who want to control not only your money, they want to control your uh, consumption, and they want to control your how you conduct your life in every aspect of your life. And they want to control your speech and when they control your money, they're going to control your speech. When they control your money, they're going to control your whereabouts. And it's all digital. We played these clips for you this week, the one about digital currency. And we also played Brian Katz uh, debunking the climate myth. We played those this week. And, and it's just part of the globalist agenda. And the reason why they actually signed up 87,000 IRS agents and $80 billion is to roll out the digital currency as part of the new, uh, the Great Reset and the New World Order agenda. That's what that's about. It's not what everybody's barking about, about the guns and the a- audits and the agents and the middle class. It's probably a little bit of that. Sure, it is that. But the bigger picture the bigger problem, the bigger rollout is one they're not even telling you. And that one is the digital currency. They're preparing for it. Just like when Obama was preparing for open borders and amnesty and he secretly printed up a whole bunch of forms printed in Ireland, of all places, um, to accommodate millions of people to get them citizenship before the 2016 election. And what he was trying to do was get people uh, who were going to be um, dependent on the government for social welfare systems to support and vote for the social welfare party, the party that buys votes 
instead of creating new and strong ideas for a stronger country. So let's take a listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene, though. Here we go. Absolutely appalling, Tucker. And, you know, the whole reason why I ran for Congress. Okay, so what she's talking about here is this child abuse, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the people are talking about third graders, or th- three-year-olds, mm-hmm. for sex change operations and, and some sort of uh, weird, you know, gender journey. It's absolutely disgusting. And, in fact, I'm going to play this one clip first. This one. Okay. I'm going to play this really quick. This is just, this is uh, Christy Olazensky, a PhD, a doctor. Let's take a listen to this. By training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, three to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey, um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do, so it's really, really wonderful to to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys. Clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, three to 25 in their. Three to 25. Three to 25. That's the part I want. So a three-year-old has a gender transition journey or whatever. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This is out-and-out child abuse. Oh, a three, a, I mean, it, it, it is. This is terrible. This is. I, I mean, I, I can't, words cannot express what this is about. Where do you where do you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene this discussion? She's talking about um, chest mutilization, uh, me, me, mastectomies. Uh, yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, well, yeah. it's basically, yeah. it's a voluntary mastectomy. Mastectomy, yeah. Um, absolutely. It's, it's, it's incredible. For, for, oh, it just breaks my heart, really. It's just insane. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how we've gotten here. Like, this seems to have happened overnight as well. Yeah. This isn't something that we would ever have even considered a conversation in the 80s and 90s. No. I I don't understand how this happened overnight. I think people are being programmed in some weird way um, that we're not familiar with. Like, I think that our youth are being indoctrinated by, you know, Snapchat and TikTok and some things that us adults aren't exposed to. So we can't even decipher or see it. But things are happening without our knowledge because the life and world we're living in as adults normal you know god-fearing taxpayers um we're not seeing anything that in our world that would indicate that we would go down that path um something is happening somewhere along the way that's indoctrinating these uh people these people in their minds I don't know. You know, they're walking among us um, and they play that goofy little uh, happy music Mm -hmm. and they talk with that little baby voice, Mm -hmm. almost as if, 
you know, um, they think they're talking to a child. It's like, no, I'm an adult and I can hear what you're doing. It's just the same way you talk to a puppy. Come here. Come. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, it's just crazy. Congress in the first place is because I'm one of the Americans that are sick and tired of our government allowing the abuse of the American people. But when it comes to gender affirming care, which is really child abuse, this is actually an assault and it's child abuse. And this this practice should never happen. It's so disgusting and appalling, and it's an embarrassment to our country. You see, I'm one of those that believes the Republican Party is only worth um, worth being a, a true party, worth deserving of the people's votes if we are willing to stand up and stop horrific things like child abuse and like so-called gender-affirming care, which is really genital mutilation. It, it's puberty blockers that cause chemical castration. Uh, teenage girls actually having their breasts chopped off. Uh, teenage boys being castrated. This needs to be illegal, and I'm introducing a bill called Protect Children's Innocence Act, and it would create a law that would cause it to be a Class C felony for any person involved in so-called gender-affirming care. That means genital mutilation surgery, that means hormones, that means puberty blockers, anything involving any, any youth under the age of 18, because these kids are too young to make these awful decisions that will affect them and will be permanent for the rest of their lives. You cut the breasts off a little girl, you should go to prison, of course. You perform a medically unnecessary hysterectomy on a little girl, you should be in prison. So, I mean, I assume you're going to get every Republican vote for this. You know, I should have every single Republican co-sponsor, but unfortunately I don't yet. I only have five co-sponsors. I'm talking to all of my colleagues and urging them because, Tucker, let me tell you something. This is a referendum on the Republican Party. When we take back the majority, if the American people elect us, we, need to, we have a lot of work to do. Not only do we need to impeach Merrick Garland, we need to clean out the corrupt FBI. We need to hold the Democrats accountable and defund all of their climate garbage. 87,000 IRS army. But there's one thing that we have got to do, and we're not even a party worth deserving of the American people's votes. If we cannot protect children from this horrific child abuse and create this to be a felony, because this practice has to end. It's the, ca- it's the kind of things nightmares are made of, and these are yeah. monsters under kids' beds that are doing these horrific things to them. You know, it's so true. And the, the whole left-wing agenda, you know, they're, they're talking about cisgender, and, you know, like um, they're, they were outlining the crime sprees in uh, New York, and, you know, uh, Lee Zeldin is running against... Uh, What's her name? Kathy Hogel. Yeah, Kathy Hogel. And um, Kathy Hogel is talking about changing the name from salesman, salesman to salesperson. Who cares? I mean, yeah. this this is a waste of time. And you know what? The one word that I heard when um, Marjorie Taylor Greene was speaking was she said only five Republicans have been co-sponsors. Now, I don't know how many co-sponsors you typically have on a bill, but with the amount of Republicans that there are, one would think she'd have more people stepping up and saying, "This is a horror. We yeah, got, we got to, we got to stand up and stop it." She's, she, she, she'll get zero Democrat support, right, for for this kind of gen, gender mutilization. That and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, hey, we got John from Chicago uh, area um, on the line. John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Hi, guys. How are you this morning? Hey, John. Hey, uh, you know it's it's interesting because. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a pariah 
in the halls of Congress and in the national scene, largely because she just stands up for things that, as you said, were common sense a few decades ago. It shows how far the cultural zeitgeist has been controlled and pushed by the left that, oh my gosh, how can she possibly say this? She's so insensitive. You know, and this goes along with your comment about this Christy Olszewski or whatever her name is with the music. I've noticed the same thing immediately, the music and the whole baby voice. Frankly, men talk like that. You know, you have the whole, well, um, when you get a latte and um, yeah. what I was, you know, I'd like to unpack <laughs> this and let's talk about it for a minute. And this has been in general as we move to a more white collar society and a more quote unquote educated or a more TV centric society, a more video centric society. You've seen this happen. We have more of these, these little, you know, boy toys than they are, you know, they're like little, little, little feminine toys. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that phrase. Uh, unpack this. Unpack There's this, a lot yeah. to unpack there. Uh, yeah. Oh, I hate that. I know. <laughs> so I said about that. And my understanding is regret in many of these kids. What you have to do, you know, play it raw. I mean, pull your Willie Horton. Show some cases of where this has worked out really badly. Scare people if you need to, because they should be scared of this kind of this this Doctor Frankenstein approach. That's that's I I, that, I don't know why they don't make it an issue. Well, you know what? Second, if you did run is, an ad like that, yeah. though, John, if you ran an ad like that, guess what? CNN wouldn't run it. MSNBC would not run that well, ad. I can tell you right now, the kind of censorship we had on our billboard in Times Square made it impossible for us to continue with them because every ad we wanted to put up was being banned and censored. We couldn't run anything. Yeah, that would be a problem. Well, first of all, you start running it in the summer, and then when they deny it, you sue them as best you can if you, if you can. You start suing all over. Make them defend it. You have to have money for that. Secondly, some stations probably will run it and do it on the Internet. Do whatever way you got to, and even through your circulars. I mean, you might not win. You might not succeed. I think you'll get the message out and persuade some people who just are too dense to figure out what's going on with the Democrats. And just the other thing I was going to mention about the CBDC, you know, I've been hearing about this for several years, and I'm sure you have as well. This is also a natural campaign topic. I don't think the Republicans are sufficiently opposed to really push it. But if you, you did, and they should, if they do that, they know that, that, as you said, they know what you spend on anything. Anything, any candidate, any anything you do, and so they can track. They can put money in your account or take it out of your account. I mean, I mean, literally, there there is if they want. There and probably more in your account. They can print money at, create money whenever they want. This is extraordinarily dangerous. And if you can again point out how what an invasion of privacy, but also how the government will play favorite with this money so easily, maybe you can sway a few people. I don't know, but what I hear. That this guy uh, Fetterman is beating Dr. Oz. Fetterman can barely say his own name. I mean, him and Joe Biden should be in the same room. And then you look at—I I saw another poll. Supposedly, Ron Johnson is behind that jackass Mandela Barnes. Although I don't believe that. But you know, we—what are we going to do to really effectively attack? So I, and the last thing I want to ask you guys, and this kind of goes to everything you said: Do they still teach? This is a serious question. Do they still have on the reading list? Brave New World in 1984, because this all this language, the gender affirming, gender diverse, gender gender expansive, all this gobbledygook. 
it's obvious for what it is, but do they still teach those books in class? I mean, I don't, Leonora might know this better than both of us. I don't know. Like I don't think, I don't high? think they do. I think the only people who use terminology like Orwellian tend to be the conservatives. And, you know, so I think all of this stuff, you know, they've, they, they remove anything. They removed, um, you know, uh, to kill a mockingbird. Uh, you know, it, there's so many things that have been removed because they feel that they're biased. And I think these books uh, that were very prescient um, have been removed and people are not hearing about the, the, the dangers that are all around them and they're not able to recognize them. And John, John, you know, keep this in mind, too. Patriot Act came out as a promise to keep us safe. And it turned out that, you know, we saw what James Clapper did with the Patriot Act, and he lied to the American people while doing it. Wiretapping, basically, eavesdropping, get, collecting metadata on all of us in every single way. And if you read the fine print in the, so, in the social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, they could do whatever they want with your data. And um, they're going to have the same lawyers and the same people, the same masterminds of that, into our digital currency. And they may pass a law that says they're, they're going to be limited as to what they could do with your money. But we all saw what Justin Trudeau was able to do with GoFundMe and shutting down the Ottawa truckers. And, and it goes on from there. You're right. But you have to you have to bang the drums. Maybe people are asleep. I don't know. But yeah. you're right. That, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I, I have a lot more to say. But I'll... I'll Go ahead. No, I say I'll leave it there. Have a great week. Okay. Hey, you thank too. you. Thank you. Take thank care. You. All right. Well, whoever that caller was, <laughs> if you want to call back, um, see, the thing is, is that um, um, the only way you avoid that call coming in like that right. uh, while you're on this system is to put a do not disturb thing up there, but yeah. it's kind of crazy. Well, it uh, happens. Yeah. So this is a absolutely a crazy time that we're living in and um you know the thing is is that uh one of the other things that we wanted to t i wanted to talk about when we're running out of time today is uh this whole spending bill and kicking the can down the road yeah a lot of people are not talking about this whole idea of um the, the whole notion of this being very political this was a political package because people are going to start getting evicted. There are going to be foreclosures. I look at these uh, illegal migrants, illegal immigrants coming into New York or wherever, and they're shaking their hand. They're giving them free shoes, new shoes. The whole ball of wax, they're, they're telling them, uh, they're setting them up in the Milford Plaza, right? right. All this stuff. Remember the Milford yeah. Plaza from the 80s? But the it's, lullaby it's, Broadway. And who's paying for that but us? Yes, and we yet are. we have people that are starving. People are getting evicted from their homes. People are going to have to foreclose on their, their home. Uh, everything they save for because of the way inflation is going. And by the way, in England, for example, the inflation is 10.1%. It's all around the world. And not only that, but as China starts to collapse, which we're going to see... Um, you're going to see a catastrophe in the world run by the globalists. And, you know, these things, I think, hopefully will backfire and, you know, make really a, a BlackRock crumble. Yeah. And the crumble and, and it's it's their money that's influencing our media and the narrative as well. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. 
Thank you all for listening. My name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. Be sure to check out magapac.org. Make a donation if you can to see to support our America First policy agenda. Also, use Red State over at mypillow.com when you bar- purchase anything, especially a mattress. They're even selling coffee over there. Yep. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.